Fails Podcast. Uh, you are hearing Parker Hurley's voice again, which means again we're doing a solo podcast. We don't have a host yet. Like I said, um, if you listen to the Arizona Cardinals podcast, we're going team by team, position by position, previewing each offseason for every team. Um, we did the Cardinals. We're going in draft order, not NFC West. Um, it just so happened that we did the Cardinals first. You can go over and listen to that one. Um, highlight some of their stuff, and now we're heading on to the San Francisco 49ers, so um, if you listen to us, I'm not one to bore you, or I might be one to bore you, so I'm going to get quickly into some of the stuff, so um, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to, you know, come back as we kind of go straight to the quarterback, he's going to come back from his ACL injury, one of the big things with Jimmy Garoppolo is last year his cap hit was huge, um, I think it was one of the it was like one of the highest in the NFL. I know it was behind Kirk Cousins, but it was huge. And um, now it's not. You know, now he's getting paid nineteen million dollars, which is low end starter money. Which means that the Forty ers all of a sudden have a lot of money to put around Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, money that they didn't have last season when they spent a lot of that money to get Jimmy Garoppolo. So the worst case scenario pretty much happened for Jimmy Garoppolo's first full season with the 49ers after the best case scenario happened, you know, right after the trade, it goes best case scenario, worst case scenario. Now the 49ers have kind of cleared the weather, you know, it was getting rocky there, but I feel like they kind of cleared it and now they have cap space. Now he's not a hindrance to their salary cap. Even moving forward, it's not too, too bad. So um, I think the 49ers are in a decent spot with Jimmy Garoppolo, especially in terms of the salary cap. So I think that's a huge step up, obviously, for for the 49ers at the quarterback position. Um, Looking at Nick Mullins, he is um, an exclusive rights-free agent, which means that the 49ers, um, if they want to keep him, they're going to keep him, and they're going to keep him because he's a quarterback who started NFL games and won NFL games last season, which is a very valued commodity. Um, There is a question that, you know, if you feel comfortable with Beathard as your backup, you obviously feel comfortable with Garoppolo. Do you trade a guy like Nick Mullins? Um, I personally, um, I might, you know, obviously if like if the price got high enough with for Nick Mullins, but um, I also would feel comfortable, you know, keeping him as the backup um, over a guy like Beathard. You know, I think Beathard would probably stick around as the third because he's on his rookie contract. But um, I really wouldn't. I would trust Nick Mullins um, potentially as my backup moving forward, considering the injury of Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, speaking of the injury. As we kind of move into the running backs, you know, there's not, I don't think there's going to be a need for a quarterback in San Francisco this offseason. But moving on to the running backs, um, Jarek McKinnon is going to be back this season just like Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and kind of just like Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, he's not a huge hindrance on the cap that he was, you know, potentially last year, you know, potentially in the whole landscape of things, especially with, you know, some of these running backs are starting to get paid. You know, I know Le'Veon Bell didn't, but, you know, David Johnson and Todd Gurley contracts came in after the, you know, Jarek McKinnon contracts, and they're obviously looking, you know, so much higher than what McKinnon got. So, you know, his contract is starting to stable out. He's clearly a player that Shanahan wants because he wants to throw to his running backs, at, you know, all the time, and he wants to put McKinnon, you know, I know Breida just kind of had a breakout year and played through injury, and he's a, you know, uh, restricted free agent. But I think, you know, the, the 49ers will be able to bring him back and play him with Jarek McKinnon and, you know, still put use check in the middle of this. You know, I think McKinnon is just an added 
toll for um, Kyle Shanahan. And, you know, kind of similar to the Patriots where, you know, it's Burkhead and Michelle and, you know, they still have Devlin, their fullback. Like, it's McKinnon and, you know, Breida, and they still have their fullback with the 49ers, you know. And, you know, Kittle, the tight end, you know, as well, you know, we'll get into that one soon enough. But, you know, that's what I'm thinking. With the 49ers, with their running back situation, at the very least, they're going to bring, you know, Breida back. The questions are, you know, I don't think Jeff Wilson will necessarily be back or days. You know, there's enough running backs in this draft, you know, some potential undrafted free agents, though, and Kyle Shanahan, you know, he's going to bring somebody in for some depth, but you're really going to look at, you know, the the main backs on the field next season, I think should be Breida, McKinnon, and Kyle Juszczyk, so we'll pretty much just move into the receivers from there. Um, Pierre Garcon, it just, you know, it didn't work out for him with the 49ers. Um, it never worked out with, you know, Shanahan with Garoppolo, you know, and I mean, Shanahan brought him in, but it didn't work out with him. Then it didn't work out with Garoppolo. He just never seems to be a fit, you know, and I know injuries had a little bit to do with it. You know, they're going to save $8 million by getting rid of him. And it just seems like that's go- going to happen, you know, the first chance that it gets. And a lot of people are starting to put receiver as a big need for the 49ers. And while I understand that you could add to the receiver group, you kind of look at some of the players and you think that, um, you know, Marquise Goodwin just signed a deal. So, you know, you have him for the, at least for the next couple years, and he's a player who could stretch the field. Um, you traded up for Dante Pettis in the second round, who's, you know, a possession receiver, can move in and out of the slot, um, has some upside to him, you know, had some flashes last season, despite some injuries. But, you know, there's your kind of outside you know, receiver, if Pettis can consistently get separation with his footwork and, you know, abilities that, you know, that's pretty much what they traded up in the second round to draft him for. You look at Trent Taylor, you could definitely, you know, he's not necessarily Julian Edelman in terms of, you know, playing strength and all the catches over the middle. He's shifty and he, you know, can play with the ball in his hands for sure. So um, you at least have something with him. But then you have um, Richie James as well, who I think is going to be an added piece to this offense. So um, all of a sudden, you know, James can shift in the slot, Pettis can shift into the slot, and obviously Trent Taylor um, has to live in the slot due to some of his size and everything like that. So, you know, you're starting to look and you have a few receivers, and then you say, oh, they have Kendrick Bourne, you know, who's this player with some size to him, can, you know, catch some goal line passes, um, can play on the outside, you know, you can put Bourne on the outside, uh, Goodwin on the outside, and then put Pettis on the inside. I don't think it's necessarily a need like some of the, uh, like some people really do. Um, You look with that said, you know, if somebody just falls to you or, you know, if the situation breaks right and you get, you know, a dominant number one receiver and then, yeah, Pettis maybe takes a bit of a, you know, he doesn't take a huge step forward. Like I think the 49ers are kind of thinking, you know, they traded up for him in the second round. So I kind of think they're thinking that, you know, he's a number one or, you know, he's an outside receiver who can get separation. And that's what I'm thinking with him next to Goodwin. So, you know, unless they could get a big-time receiver and his role moves into, like, a slot receiver who could play on the outside a little bit, Pettis, unless they do that, you know, to upgrade pretty much over the Kendrick Bourne spot, I think they have enough chess pieces and tools to where they could make it work. You look to the tight end, I think George Kittle obviously um, kind of broke out as, like, a top-five tight end in the NFL last season. So that pretty much worked out for them. But they could potentially, you know, if anything, maybe add another tight end. You know, they have Selleck, I believe, or I think Selleck's gone too, So, or he's a free agent, right? So, um, or he, he's back, but he's they could get rid of him if they wanted to. So, still, he's just a, you know, mainly a blocker, provides a little bit of pass catching, but 
if you know it's the same thing as a wide receiver in my opinion is you know if a great player could fall to him because you guys know the way Kyle Shanahan works with his fullbacks and his tight ends you know if he could get another one to really stress teams over the middle of the field you know and provide running game impact you know and have two tight ends as you know second tackles but also you know a guy like Kittle can go over the field I know it's a decent tight end class you know don't be surprised if a tight end is just as big of a need as a wide receiver on Kyle Shanahan's board in my opinion so um, I think that's kind of a lot of people are looking at the 49ers and saying they need a receiver I think they're saying Richie James takes a step Dante Pettis takes a step and we kind of like a little bit of what we have in Kendrick Bourne and you know if we could add a, a you know a second tight end who could really stress people that's potentially what they could be thinking in this situation. Moving on to the offensive line, um, you know, guys that will definitely be back are Staley and McGlinchey. You know, you're pretty, you're obviously we know what Joe Staley is, you know, we won't talk too much about him, but with Mike McGlinchey, you pretty much um, are satisfied. I think with, you know, you drafted a, t- a tackle in the top 10, you need to get some pretty good starter value. It looks like he can play, you know, he kicked into guard at times and seemed to be okay, but he looks like he's a stable starter who's going to, you know, play right tackle. And if he does swing into left tackle when Staley moves on, um, I don't think they're, you know, looking to push Staley out the door though, because, you know, their offensive line was kind of an issue last year. And, you know, that's why a guy like McGlinchey had to slide into left guard. And you're kind of saying, you know, we need to move forward without worrying about, you know, Mike McGlinchey sliding into left guard. We need him to play right tackle and Staley play left tackle, and those are our tackles. Weston Richburg, um, you know, he had – it was his first season with the Kyle Shanahan offense, which is obvious – you know, it's a tough one. So um, there's definitely some room to grow for Weston Richburg. You could definitely say that so far the signing has not looked good. But um, he has, you know, the athleticism that Kyle Shanahan looks for, and you add in a second season – He's going to be back nonetheless. So you have your two tackles and you have your starting center back. And then it gets questionable considering the guard position. Um, I believe Lakin Tomlinson had, you know, maybe the better year, definitely the better year of any of the other guards, but he's coming off of an ACL tear. And then there's Josh Garnett, um, a former first round pick, but I don't believe it was a former first round pick of the Kyle Shanahan regime. So um, I don't think he's necessarily fit into what they're trying to do. Um, so it's been tough for a guy like Gar- Garnett. He's also had some injury issues. You know, you don't really trust him. And then there's Mike Person, who was the worst of the um, offensive linemen last season. He gave up the most sacks and the most pressures allowed. They also had uh, their least amount of success running to his side. So, I mean, uh, it, was a t- it was tough for him. And, you know, considering Tomlinson, considering, um, you know, they don't have much else at guard in terms of depth, you know. Gary Gilliam's a free agent as well. So they really, you know... They, like I said, they don't want to slide uh, McGlinchey into into guard anymore. So they're gonna they need some depth at tackle for sure. You know, like I said with Gilliam or whatever. But they need to figure out guard um, big time this off season. Um, like I said, whether it's Tomlinson, it's also competition and depth behind Tomlinson because um, just putting all your eggs in a guy like Tomlinson and Garnett and moving into next season. You know, that's not what's gonna take. That's what it's gonna, going to take. So that's pretty much, you know, that's arguably their biggest need, um, definitely their biggest need on the offensive side of the ball moving forward. To the defensive side of the ball, I'm pretty sure it's clear um, that the 49ers need some edge help. They have an interesting defensive line in that they have a lot of depth to it. Um, It's led by DeForest Buckner on the inside. DeForest Buckner has legitimate upside, you know, some potential. He's going to start getting all pro consideration. Um, every single year moving forward, he has legitimate upside. We need to build this defensive line around him. The question is, you know, what else do we have around him? Eric Armstead and Solomon Thomas are firm, former first-round picks. 
Um, the thing is, they I think both of their best positions are right where DeForest Buckner plays. And DeForest Buckner is so versatile, and they're both pretty versatile themselves, but um, Buckner is so versatile that you could move him, and he would probably be the best player at like, each spot that Solomon and Armstead plays. But Buckner is at best, you know, right over the guard and everything like that, you know, as a pressing defensive tackle. Um, so... It's you know that's where it's toughest in terms of you know how do you fit Armstead? Armstead's starting to play more outside, and Thomas is starting to play more inside. Nonetheless, I think you're starting to learn that both of them are you know they're NFL players, but they're both rotational NFL players. You know, like I said, Solomon is probably an undersized defensive tackle who on third downs could really get after it. Um, you know, like a Michael Johnson from Cincinnati he plays a lot of third downs. You know, he's kind of a defensive end who plays inside on third downs. Um, a player like that, and like I said, Armstead is kind of a long, um, bigger defensive end. So they can play, but they can both play situationally. Um, you look at Earl Mitchell, um, I think he's potentially, he's the nose tackle right now, but he could potentially be out because DJ Jones and Julian Taylor are two younger players, just younger, cheaper, you know, provide similar, if not more upside. Um, both of them flashed a little bit. I think it's Jones is third year and uh, Taylor will enter his second season. So I think those two will get a lot of the snaps at, you know, nose really, you know, on the early downs right next to, uh, right next to the forest. So they have some depth there. They also have Sheldon Day, who I think is like some depth behind Buckner, but can also slide into that nose tackle position. And then they have uh, Contavious Street, who's, um, you know, he's coming off of an ACL injury, but he had some upside on the NC State defensive line and he's an outside edge player who could slide to the inside. Um, I would say um, not as athletic as Solomon Thomas, but bigger than Solomon Thomas. But um, I think he's more of an outside player. But nonetheless, that's where you kind of look at it and you say, okay, we have, a, we have nose tackles, you know, and we have DeForest Buckner and we have some depth behind DeForest. You know, everybody can slide into depth behind DeForest Buckner. You know, now we need some edge help. You know, Armstead is great in terms of, you know, uh, play, being long and on the outside and, you know, kind of – playing against the run and getting up field against the run and, you know, kind of pushing the pocket on the outside. But we need some speed, you know, outside of him. You know, Solomon Thomas hasn't proven it yet. And like I said, he's better off as just, you know, maybe not necessarily playing on some first downs, but getting in there on third downs. So um, they need some speed on the edge, you know. I think whether it be Bosa or Allen, I'm pretty sure, you know, they would probably take either one of those. Um, And then with, you know, Street is depth and with some other depth there, you know, you would just hope that you're kind of just one or two players away in terms of just adding pure speed to this line. Like I said, you cut Earl Mitchell, um, and then you just add, you know, uh, one or two players in terms of, you know, a high-end player and then kind of a free agent. In terms of speed, Cassius Marsh is another interesting player because he's a, he's a linebacker, but he could also play um, off of the football. And, you know, he's kind of an outside linebacker in the 4-3 defense, uh, the, the strong side linebacker. They could save $4 million by cutting him. I know he played well for San Francisco last season, and he's kind of played decent at every single stop, but I think he kind of is a journeyman from Seattle and New England to San Francisco. I kind of think he's a journeyman for a reason. They could save $4 million by cutting him. I don't know, necessarily know if they'll do that, but I think that you know if you draft Josh Allen, Josh Allen slots right into that spot. Um, you know, plays right there, you know, uh, Bosa just slots right into, you know, where Solomon Thomas would play. Allen slots right into there, you know, where he could put his hand down. He could play off of the ball. He could do, you know, some different things. So, um, that's where, you know, you could potentially upgrade over that. Then you have, uh, one more year of Malcolm Smith, most likely he has some injury issues. He's kind of been a dud of a signing, 
but um, he's probably just going to provide depth and special teams and, you know, being a locker room leader, everything like that. Um, Elijah Lee has kind of shown enough, in my opinion, to where he could play the will. Um, I do think you want to upgrade at the will position potentially, you know, but I, I did like what I saw out of Elijah Lee. So, um, and then there's, you know, a guy like Dakota Watson, you know, there's uh, PETA, uh, you know, PETA's kind of like some depth behind uh, Cassius Marsh, which is why I think if you get a guy like Josh Allen, a guy like Cassius Marsh could save you, you know, $4 million on the cap space. And you have, you know, you have PETA right behind him. So, you know, what you have, uh, and then Fred Warner is going to be in the middle. Um, I think Fred Warner had a pretty good year. You know, it was his first season calling plays which is really tough to do. So um, considering that, I thought Fred Warner had a pretty good year as a rookie. Um, I think he was like a third or fourth rounder. I thought he was, you know, a good pick coming into the season. And then I think he proved way better than I did because, you know, I thought, hey, that's a good pick as, you know, he's kind of a run and chase player next to Reuben Foster. Or now he's doing, you know, some Reuben Foster stuff, calling plays, getting people in line. I think he had, you know, flaws in that regard. You know, he was a rookie calling plays that, you know, Reuben Foster was like a third-year player. And not only that, he was, you know, that was one of the better qualities he had coming out of the draft. So um, Fred Warner, that wasn't one of his better qualities. Um, and he, I think he did, you know, pretty well in that regard. So I think he holds down the mic for sure. You have Marsh and you have... Uh, What's his name? Pete on the edges. And then you have Elijah Lee. Um, I think you could upgrade at both, honestly, the will and the you know strong side. I think Josh Allen is an automatic upgrade on the strong side. I think the will, you could probably find somebody to at least bring some competition. Um, but it's tough because you have Malcolm Smith, you know. So, um, and he, there's probably some bigger needs. So moving on to cornerbacks, um, Richard Sherman had a pretty good season, um, considering, you know, coming off of an injury. He's definitely going to be back. He's definitely going to be in a starter role. He's definitely liked right now in San Francisco, you know, compared to the thoughts around him just a few years ago. And he's kind of bringing up a guy like Kella Witherspoon. Um, I know a lot of people don't like Kella Witherspoon. You know, he's given up, I think, the most touchdowns on the team and the most penalties on the team. I think he actually had a better season than people are giving him, you know, uh, some credit for. I think he had a pretty good year, actually. He was just a victim of some bad situations. He was a victim of, they threw at him a lot. Um, I know he ended up injured, and they're definitely going to want to add um, some depth, you know, next to him. But I still think coming into this year, he has a potential to start. So um, they are going to add depth there. They're pretty solid in the slot in terms of they have Kwan Williams and they have DJ Reed. DJ Reed had to move to free safety some and, you know, played free safety and slot because of some injuries. But I think he's going to be best in the slot. And I think, you know, between him and Kwan Williams, you could really just find somebody in the slot. So um, I think you get some depth behind Sherman, obviously with his age and some depth behind Witherspoon because it's third season and it's been up and down for sure. Um, Jimmy Ward's definitely gone, but you move on to the safeties, you know, um, Adrian Colburn, uh, uh, Jakorski Tart are probably the starters moving in here, but Marcel Harris during the end of the season really started to show. Um, the question is, you know, who, how can they all, you know, how can they really sort it out and play together? Um, Antoine Exum is in the mix as well. Um, I'm pretty sure, you know, they're all they're all kind of expendable. Um, I think Harris is like the youngest player, and I think he's the one that the Lynch and uh, Shanahan ha regime have their hands on the most. You know, I think Tart is probably the most expendable. But then, eight, you know, Colbert's a seventh-round pick. You know, Colbert is coming off of an injury as well. So, And that's where, you know, DJ Reed was, you know, shuffling into the back end. But I think, like I said, you move him to – and all of a sudden you have depth at slot, and then it's really just sorting out this safety group. And, you know, you kind of look into the 49ers, and, you know, they have – the big thing is that they have 
um, money. You know, they have a, a bunch of players coming back from injuries. You know, that was, I think, their big issue last year is just everybody started falling apart injury-wise. And through those injuries, I think they started to build up some depth. You know, some guys like Marcel Harris, Elijah Lee, Fred Warner. Um, you know, you slowly started to figure out, you know, where Solomon Thomas can be at least a rotational player. You know, like I said, I think Pettis put out some good tapes. So, you know, and all those are kind of the positions of need, too, you know. As you kind of look into them, you know, their biggest need, in my opinion, is offensive line, like by a landslide. And it's crazy because, you know, they went into the season, I think they had four first round picks on their offensive line heading into the season. And, you know, they walk away from the season and their biggest need is offensive line, um, mainly because, you know, they just don't have, they wonder they don't have depth, but two, they really don't have any guards right now or any guards that they can trust. So um, their biggest need, in my opinion, is offensive line. The obvious need is edge rusher. And that's what I think they're going to take with the second pick overall, you know, whether it be Bosa and like I said, kind of explained it with that, they're going to take an edge rusher second overall, but really with that addition, that it doesn't solidify the group, but it makes it makes the group so much better on paper. It really does to kind of change the trajectory of the group because all of a sudden you have depth and you have roles. And Solomon Thomas is a role player more than he's a need, as you know he was a top five pick. You know now you have a top five pick that you need to get production from. And Solomon Thomas is just a role player, and he's much better. You know the totem pole effect of that. So I think you get some edge there, and then um, you know tight end, linebacker, some safety help. You know some cornerback to push Akella Witherspoon. Um, some wide receiver like I said if that's a luxury but I really think tight end could be a, a bigger luxury in my opinion if they could add there so um that's really what I'm looking at you know if they could get the edge in, if they could get the edge in the offensive line right and then they have a lot of cap space to get some luxury positions or maybe extend some of their own on the cheap um that's what the 49ers should be looking at you know the potential to get healthy and get a really good offseason with you know maybe some insured depth because of that cab space. So um, I don't think they're in as bad of shape as some people think, or a team with a second overall pick would be. I think they get, if they could get some of these players healthy, they could be in a much better spot. So um, I'm Parker Hurley. Follow me at Parker Hurley um, at TNF underscore podcast. So um, we're going to keep pumping these out as we had to draft season. So we'll talk to you guys then. Yeah.